Hello, welcome to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar with Rehab U Practice Solutions. And if you haven't checked out the book yet, head on over to rehabupracticesolutions.com slash books, or you can just search Better Outcomes, A Guide to Humanizing Healthcare on Amazon. Uh, it's available Amazon, Kindle. It's probably available other places too, but that's where the publisher tells me to send people. So the book is about humanizing healthcare as a title suggests it's all about how we can improve both clinical outcomes and business metrics by focusing on people instead of a lot of the numbers procedures spreadsheets all that kind of stuff so if that's interesting to you go check the book out this week we are talking with a a man named unmesh Srivasta, stravastava who knew i was going to mess that up anyways he is the uh the chief technology and digital innovation officer over at clever healthcare so they're a health plan working primarily in the Medicare Advantage space in California. Now what's unique about them is that they're taking all the data, all of the information they receive from claimants, and they're they're using it specifically for what he calls uh, culture-specific healthcare. So based off of uh, ethnic groups and trends in the data, and we talk in this in this conversation a lot about how we can use data to improve outcomes how you build algorithms about it how you can use this vast quantity of information we're getting from claims from er visits from all this kind of stuff and really it make individualized and specific and more accurate recommendations based off of that data in combination with the understanding of an individual's cultural or socioeconomic background so Really excited to bring this conversation to you. Um, Mr. Unmesh has all kinds of experience in the healthcare space. He, sh- he shares about it a little bit before we dive into Clever Care and how it all works. Um, but he's definitely been around the block when it comes to building things from the ground up in healthcare, using technology to improve both the clinical outcomes, but also the individualization and um and specific information we can get. You know, a lot of times when we talk about healthcare and using technology as a force multiplier, a lot of times we're talking about things at scale, which is true, but sometimes when we move at scale, you you miss and you lose some of those individual factors or those, you know, when you're making decisions for the average, as Todd Rose says, in the end of average, you know, the average of everything fits nobody, right? So Unmesh and his group here have done a really good job of being able to take that data, a lot of data, and then use that to really individualize care. So hopefully you enjoy this conversation. Um, without further ado, here's Unmesh talking about uh, clever care and how to use technology to improve individualized care based off of uh, people's socioeconomic and cultural background. Well, hey, Amush, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show, Rafi. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about uh, Clever Care Health Plan. But before we do that, um, just give us a little bit background about yourself, who you are, what you're doing, and kind of what brought you to to doing this uh, health insurance plan here. Well, um, yeah. So my name is Unmesh Srivastava, and I'm a, a you know digital health enthusiast. Most of my career has been in in digital health. Uh, at this point, I'm serving as the Chief Digital and Technology Officer for Clever Care Health Plan. Uh, prior to joining Clever, I was with P3 Health Partners, which is a population health value-based care, uh, uh, you know, uh, medical group, and it's in multiple states. So, I was involved working there. I was before that. I was I've worked with Optum. I've worked with Kaiser Permanente. So, spent a lot of time in healthcare. Uh, what brought me to Clever Care Health Plan is really the mission, right? Uh, I come, uh, I was born and raised in India. I'm a first generation immigrant here in the US. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I personally feel that a lot of people who do not speak in English or are first generation immigrants um, do not have access to care as much as they should because there is that cultural as as well as uh, as well as the language barrier, and I think the mission of Clever Care deeply resonated with me, and I really think it's a problem to be solved. Everyone keeps talking about uh, health equity yeah. in healthcare these days, and I mean, what we are doing at Clever Care Health Plan is really, you know, doing it as our mainstream business. So uh, we are solving for health equity, and very excited for that mission. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You know, I think a lot of times, unless you're involved in something like healthcare, where you're seeing a whole lot of people from different walks of life, it's very easy to think we're in the United States of America. Everybody speaks English. Um, you know, my father came from Costa Rica and he's uh, English is his third language. But so I was kind of aware of this going into it. But once I got into healthcare, I was like, holy cow, there are a lot of folks that really legitimately don't have a, a working English vocabulary. They, they're either using a translator or they're having a family member come with them. And that adds a whole lot of complexity just to them understanding their treatment options, right? Let alone picking like an insurance company or something like that. That is right. And also the other aspect of this is the culture. Yeah. A lot of times, and I, I think your dad would relate to this even more coming from Costa Rica, I'm sure there are things you are born and raised in, in your day-to-day -day life. I can talk to you about me, like while while growing up in India, we had, uh, you know, turmeric and ginger and garlic. And, yeah, some of the herbs. Uh, you know, that was part of our, you know, daily living. And yoga was not like, hey, you didn't go to fancy yoga studios, but every <laughs> household uh, did do yoga, right? And for very minor things like cold and cough and fever and you we had these you know herbs that we used to use like aloe vera was a regular thing you grow it in the in your backyard if you have fever you know you cut it up put it on your forehead and in a couple of hours you know it's good or turmeric right if you get hurt you put a little bit of turmeric on it and then it sucks up all the uh, uh, pain as well as you know the blood flow it it invigorates the world so these things were very common culturally and uh a lot of times when you've immigrated from another nation, you know, it's uh, a lot of that culture. Also, the way you approach healthcare is missing. And yeah, it's a different it's a whole different angle when you get over here to the to the Western side. That's right. That's right. 
Yeah, we had a, a, a few episodes ago, well, probably 10 episodes ago now, we had somebody who's, uh, she's the, the program director at an herbal medicine college in, the, in Maryland. And she was just talking about a lot of really the evidence around using things like turmeric and some other herbal mm-hmm. remedies. Um, right. and we just don't even really think about it here. So um, let's lay the groundwork then. So Center or um, Clever Care Health Plan is an insurance company. You were telling me you're primarily serving Medicare recipients. So this is a like a Medicare Advantage plan, right? Medicare Advantage, yes. Okay. And how many states you're in? You're in California currently with plans to expand. That's right. that's right we are in california right now specifically in southern california this upcoming aep we are so right now we are in la and orange county and then now we are expanding up to inland empire and riverside and san bernardino county so really covering uh southern california but the goal is to expand in california and then go out to other states like new york and texas where there's uh immigrant population who have, you know, moved here or folks who are, um, you know, who do not speak English or are coming from different cultures. So we are looking to sort of uh, go after those pockets and make sure we provide them healthcare, which, you know, they can engage with and relate with. Yeah. So then tell me about some of the some of the practical ways that that y'all are doing that. Are there um digital tools or technologies that you're implementing to to kind of overcome this language barrier like what what are some of the ways that you're you're helping some folks that can't speak english access the care that's available to them well that's a great yeah and we are doing this is our bread and butter so we are doing so many different things so let me start with the way we formed our bin you know our business right so our brokers the brokers that are working with us a lot of those like 90% plus of those brokers are ethnic brokers. So they speak in that language, you know, they speak Cantonese, Mandarin, Vietnamese, Korean. Um, And they, right when you're looking for a health plan, you start with those brokers, right? Who are talking in your language. Exactly. Um, Then we have built our, uh, both fee-for-service and value-based, majority value-based care arrangements with our doctors who are uh, primary cares, who are also uh, ethnic, right? So, you know, they speak the language. So let, let's say most of our, you know, a lot of our Vietnamese population is in Westminster and surrounding areas. The network we built around that, most of the physicians are Vietnamese speaking, right? So we built a physician network, which is, um, uh, which can who can speak the language, right? Uh, also, the supplemental benefits, things like we have built a network of acupuncturists and herbalists, right? Yeah. Who are also speaking in that language uh, and understand the culture. So a lot of our care provider and our network is very multi-ethnic. Um, and then the benefit packages that we've built are, are very Eastern and Western medicine focus so that we've got like the traditional western medicine benefits you know yoga uh, well uh you know medical dental vision but then we've added things like acupuncture like herbal access to herbal medication uh yoga tai chi um we are and then we've also built community centers which are these social oh, okay. uh community centers where our seniors get together and it's a little different right because like you don't do bingo you 
you know you play Marshawn, yeah, <laughs> uh, for example, right? So, uh, so the, these are these community centers that we've built for our seniors, where they where they come, they interact, they meet other seniors, and you know, uh, there's that sense of community. So these are all the, you know, some of the things that we are doing on the outside. On the inside, our technology, people, process, and technology is very culturally focused, right? So we do dynamic risk stratification all the time of our members. Yeah, uh, we've yeah. got for somebody that doesn't know what that is. Explain that. Yeah, absolutely. dynamic risk so, stratification. A couple of big words so, pushed together. <laughs> absolutely. No, let me let me unpack that a little bit. So you do get for your member population, you get various type of data elements, right? As it relates to them, you you get clinical data, you get claims data, you get social data. And what we do is we ingest all of that, normalize that data, integrate it into a normalized way. So when we look at Ruffy as one of our members, now we know a longitudinal view of Ruffy. Like what's, you know, where does he live? Where, how many health plans has he been with? What's his latest ER? history, what's his drug prescription, right? What's his family history? So we get a lot of this data that we culminate for Rafi as one of our members. And so, uh, and we do the same for like, you know, all of our members. Now, what we do is looking at the population and a big part of value-based care is really aligning care to medical risk of the member, right? So we risk, we do a lot of, we built these algorithms on top of this data, which continuously work to identify that, hey, what's the medical risk with Rafi? Is he a diabetic and means he's a rising risk and it's an uncontrolled diabetic rising risk might turn into a chronic kidney disease if we do not put the right interventions in place? Or is Rafi already a chronic kidney disease member who needs to get dialysis to make sure he's healthy, right? Um, so we do this this risk stratification of our population into like, hey, here are new members, rising risk, high risk, um, concierge. There are a lot of special needs members that we are going to get started with from January 1st, right? So these are members who we think are like concierge members. We need to make sure they sign up with one of our care management programs. So that's what going back to dynamic risk risk yeah. stratification is really identifying and stratifying the medical risk and then aligning care to that then we share that data with our providers and say hey out of the 100 members you got by the way these are top 10 Rafi is in top 10 he needs that care so that's when the provider makes sure that you know Rafi is coming into the office and if Rafi needs it we're going to sign him up for a diabetes program or a care complex, some kind of complex care management program so we can have more touch points with Rafi. So he doesn't have to land in ER because of uncontrolled. Uh, yeah, you because know, he's getting conditions. dizzy or something. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. then not only do we do it on a clinical way, we also have attached cultural and uh, social focus on this. Right. So a lot of data we get will say, let's say, you know, I'll give you one example. One of our members who is a lot of our lot of our population is Vietnamese population. Right. And looking at the data outside, we've done studies and we identify that Vietnamese people, they don't uh, from a lot of those people culturally, they don't like caregivers coming to their homes. 
So a home-based methodology of engagement doesn't work with them. They like going physically to their uh, provider practices, but at the same time, they're digital natives. So they also like interacting with digital tools. So we look at like minutia data elements like that to really build the plan of care, right? And say, okay, for Rafi, maybe we should schedule multiple provider visits. If he doesn't have family members, then we'll make sure that we arrange transportation for him to go to his office, provider office. So we do all of these things on the background, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's there's a lot to unpack there. What we are doing on the back end, we've got member services, which is our member advocates who you call. One of the very basic things, like when you call us and you are speaking in a different language, let's say you are Korean speaking, we do not, you don't have, you don't have to go through a phone tree. We give you by language, we give you specific lines. You don't have to wait. You call in and you'll get someone talking in Korean with you, right? Yeah, that's and then awesome. we've we've given all these data elements at the point of service to our member services reps and this is a startup plan so we are also building out a very strong member facing application through which you can do self-scheduling you can look at your prior auth claim status you can schedule a pct visit you can schedule a ride uh, if you just got discharged from the hospital we will provide you meals at your home if you're immobile so there's a lot of things that you can do self-service which we are building out so uh, i tell my team we are like this duck which looks very calm on the water but underneath it's just pedaling really hard uh, and uh, that's what we are doing yeah, I've, one of the things that jumps out to me, and I, this the answer to this might be pretty um, self-evident, but it sounds like there's there's a lot of individualized care going on here, right? You're doing you're you're tracking somebody longitudinally. You're seeing their risk. You're trying to figure out do they need to go see a PCP or a neurologist or, or whatever it is. Like, at what point does that or does it ever become? unmanageable from the amount just from the the sheer volume of people you have involved or is it one of those things where the technology is just is doing such a good job of aggregating that data helping you analyze it so that you can deliver a very individualized healthcare experience even though you've got you know thousands and thousands of members in your in your group exactly and that's the that's the thing right in in population health management i've built value-based care systems before for very large organizations, right? Between Kaiser and Optum and E3 as they grew up. Um, the way to approach this, and I think that's why I joined this as really digital data and technology first. So yeah. we like to us member as an individual is very critical to us, right? But at the same time, we start out with the population, right? So let's say you have 7,500 members. We've got this rules engine that keeps running 24-7 to really identify out of the 7,500 members we are serving, who are the new members where we have no data? They need to get to a provider office. So that's the intervention, right? Who is a rising risk? Who's a diabetic who might turn into a CKD? Who's a high risk? Who's already a CKD? Who is CSNP, like special needs plan member who needs special, you know, special attention? And then who's end of life? Who really we, we want to make sure that it's comfortable for them and their family members. So at a population level, we build all these risk stratums through our data and tech, you know, data and rules engines that we have deployed. And then against those cohorts, 
now we start getting individualized and a lot of the lot of this is uh you know all of this is technology driven we've built care pathways example in our care management system um so if you're a diabetic we have 25 different care plans diabetic plus you know ckd yeah. and chf plus copd and you know then these templates just pop up for our care managers and they can very easily build out your care plan very quickly and then we build these rules uh on our clinical pathways that we have configured in our system that helps us sort of better manage those members so um we want to make it individualized but the only way you can make it individualized is going from a population down yeah. to individual. taking like that thirty thousand foot view and then kind of drilling down to what does this mean for for rafi here in his clinical state right exactly so are are the are most of the plans then it sounds like are they hmos like where you're coming in and, and managing a lot of the care for these individuals or like are y'all not even thinking hmo versus ppo you're kind of just doing this for everybody no matter what yeah we are medicare advantage so we are the plan right yeah. we are not the caregiving entity but we make sure that we've got the data and we've got all the data and information that the providers need uh -huh. for them to really take care of the members so we are the insurer right yeah. we are yeah. the ones who are taking risk working directly with cms right and then we've built these provider networks through which we engage and we provide them the membership and and they are the ones who are managing the day-to-day yeah. -day of of the members um, yeah and then so you you've said you've built out some value-based programs with your providers talk to me a little bit about that because i think it's one of those things that a lot of times people talk about value-based care and they're what they're really talking about is we're going to give you a lump sum to manage the care but <laughs> the reality is like true value in healthcare requires alignment of all the incentives right between the, the payer the provider and the patient and you were talking a little bit about shared risk versus full risk and and so let's talk a little bit of that about that and how you've kind of built this value-based system into the into the insurance plan itself right that's that's a big question yeah Rafi. let me just uh, <laughs> tell you that so uh you know i think the way medicare advantage operates is you know plans work with cms we yeah. get the membership yeah. and we make sure cms wants to ensure that us as plans are having the right networks in place from a network adequacy perspective where our members who've signed up with us can really go out and get the right caring and get the right access to care. So they've put multiple programs like, you know, uh, you know, HEDIS and CAPS, right? There's uh, CAP surveys that go out to, to get the members to tell, you know, whether they got the access to care or not that they required. There's Medicare risk adjustment. So uh, a lot of, you know, uh, coding that is happening on those members are accurate and you're really identifying the right burden of care and that's how you get you know uh, that's one of the value drivers in the ecosystem so the way we operate is is pretty simple right we are a startup plan we work with a lot of provider groups now some of the provider groups are very they have what's called a mso or a managed services organization and they are very sophisticated in terms of their people process technology operations and they are very ripe to taking the complete risk down from us right where they manage part a b and d costs end yeah. to end right versus there are these providers who are still smaller 
and they want to get into a deep value-based care arrangement, but they are not that sophisticated to now take start taking full upside and downside risk, yeah. right? So, so they get into a shared risk arrangement with us. Yeah, Sorry, let's, so let's explain. Let's explain that full risk. What does that mean for, let's say, you know, ABC Healthcare wants to engage with you, and they're gonna they're gonna be a full risk partner. What does that mean for them? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. I'll give you my technologist explanation. <laughs> right? uh, I'm not an expert uh, on the business and the yeah. network contracting side. But so you've got these um, risk pools, right? So when you say full risk means part A risk, um, part B risk between all of your outpatient, outpatient stuff, yeah. and your inpatient uh, settings. And then you've got part D risk, which is primarily all of your um, Rx, right? Medications, um, pharmacy uh, costs. So what happens is between these pools, you get money from CMS. And a lot of times there are these MSOs, right? Or provider groups who've built their own networks, right? From a hospital perspective, from pharmacy, they do PBM, they do medica medication therapy management and all of that stuff. And then also from outpatient perspective, right? So they, they are their own PCPs, but then like, you know, um, a network of uh, SNFs and, uh, you know, stuff like that, other, yeah. other primary care centers. So when they have the right network, they are more ripe to just say, hey, you know, we are very sufficient to take on the whole risk. A, B, and D from you. And we've got the network of hospitals, we've got the PCP specialists, labs, pharmacies, all of that in our network through which if you give us your whole member, if you just say like, hey, I'm getting, you know, whatever I'm getting reimbursed from CMS, I'm going to give you X percentage of that. And now Ruffy is your member, full risk. It's up to you to manage Ruffy. But we do need all the data because we need to submit it back to CMS that you're actually managing Ruffy really well. Uh -huh. You're so, not just collecting the money and, and exactly not and then back. They, right. So <laughs> so for that, like it includes, you know, things like, you know, we, there will be like heat scores, right? And how many care gaps. So uh, CMS has put all these like checks in place through which we get to know that, you know, this this MSO is actually taking care of Ruffy and other members. But it's really that sophistication. A lot of the big ones, the bigger provider do have MSO operations. So they can do in-house claims. They can do in-house prior authorization. They do their own credentialing. Um, and then they've built the networks to really manage the members. So they act like a pseudo plan, if you may say, versus, um, so that's when we go into full risk arrangement and we say, hey, you know, I think the providers want to do that because they've got this whole thing. And then they're like, hey, guys, why don't you give us a full risk contract and we'll do both delegation and risk. And then some of them who are not that big or sophisticated are like, guys, we want to get into full risk. But let's start with maybe part A and, you know, carve out some services from part B. Right. We don't have Part D capabilities. We don't have complex care management. We can do our own claims adjudication. So you do all of that, but we can only take you know specific areas of of speciality and primary care. So that's sort of that shared risk arrangement in which we say, okay, fine. You know, we get X amount of money from CMS to manage a member. We 
divvy it up and say, okay, these are the services that you're going to provide. Here's, you know, your dollar share, and then we are going to keep rest because we are doing all the other things. So yeah, um, at a high level, that's how it works. Um, at a detail level, uh, my network operations uh, VP is yeah. is a champion at this, so he can explain you much better. Yeah, no, that's a good overview though, because I think a lot of people don't don't really understand like the the variability in some of these when you say you're getting involved in a value based arrangement. What that what that truly means? Because it could be something like you said, where you're taking you're managing the show to you're just taking bits and pieces and providing value in there, right? Okay, so we're getting near near the bottom here. Um, I always end with this. If there's one or two main takeaways you would want a listener to walk away with from the show, what would they be? Um, well, number one, I, I personally, if you take a step back, right, healthcare is one area that, and this is for your listeners who are upcoming, right, getting into STEM degrees or, you know, uh, still working in education. I feel like healthcare has such a shortage of great resources across the board, whether it be technology, whether it be clinical, administrative. So just know like it's an excellent field to be in, right? And, and I think uh, you get a different highest serving people and uh, you won't get that in another industry so if there's any way i can help you guys out as you are thinking about getting into healthcare feel free to reach out to me on linkedin and uh, very happy to help or have you think through that two i think uh, again with that opportunity there's just healthcare has so much us healthcare specific specifically has so many problems to solve for across yeah. the board whether it's the payment, whether it's interoperability, whether it's cost transparency, this just so it's it's a very highly cost costed healthcare system which has to be improved. So there's just tons of opportunity. And then lastly, like you know, what we are doing at Clevercare is is great. If 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 your parents uh, do like Eastern and Western medicine benefits, you know, to to be in their health plan, uh, or you know, if you need a more compassionate health plan that that you want them to join, please reach out to us through our website, um, and we'd love to serve them. Awesome. Well, where can people find out? I know you mentioned LinkedIn. Where can people find out you um, more about uh, Clever Care health plans, all of that stuff? So, um, yeah, so go on my LinkedIn page um, and uh, you you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm very responsive there. Just don't don't sell me anything. I <laughs> yeah, just please. have too, too many things going on uh, right <laughs> now and not not very good at responding to sales pitches because there's just so much going on in the day to day. Um, so best way to reach out to me, LinkedIn. For Clever Care, just Google Clever Care Health Plan and you'll find it. You know, you go on our website, call our member services to sign up, call our sales line. There's multiple ways to get in touch with us there. Awesome. And we'll link to all that in the show notes. So, Anmash, thanks very much. Have a good one. Thank you, Rafi. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Unmesh talking about, well, it was a very wide ranging conversation, right? We talked about technology and using digital tools and algorithms to improve, you know, cultural specific healthcare outcomes. And then we even got into a conversation about 
value-based care and what does full risk partnership mean and partial risk partnership and and all of that i think a lot of times <clears throat> at least this is my been my experience as both a clinic owner and then working with a bunch of smaller private clinics that may have you know multiple locations but we've only got you know a handful of disciplines we're not able to manage the entire continuum of care from you know part a and part b in this in the specifically for medicare we've got inpatient and outpatient benefits and coordinating all of that so it can be very, almost your eyes gloss over when you start talking or thinking about value-based care and you talk and you hear it in the in conferences and value-based care is coming and how's this gonna work? And you know, you gotta start getting ready for value-based care. It can be very difficult if you're in the outpatient world, for example, and you're running a private practice to envision what a value-based arrangement might look like with a payer because you're not, in the position of some of these big healthcare groups where you can you know, become a full risk partner and manage everything. Um, we've explored some options and some of my clients have explored some options that have involved using things like shared savings programs and things like that through certain payers, which kind of moves closer towards value-based arrangements where there's still a fee-for-service component, but there is an incentive, if you would, to, to kind of counteract what happens with a lot of fee-for-service models. So the, the big problem with fee-for-service models is that incentivizes high volume, right? The more the more we bill, the more we get paid. And the more the number the higher number of visits, the more money we put in our pocket at the end of the day, right? So some of these shared shared savings programs do incentivize uh, specifically those outpatient ancillary healthcare payer or, or providers like physical therapy, occupational therapy, chiropractors, where the potential really is there to do a whole lot of treatment. And I, the research even shows PTs and OTs, we over-treat a lot. Um, part of that is, is I think it's twofold. One, I think we have a hard time letting people go. And I've had this conversation with staff in the clinic all the time and other organizations that I consult with. Like, listen, I get that, you know, Mr. Smith is, you know, has become a, a good relationship with you and you, you're you seeing him progress and move and all this kind of stuff. But like clinically, you shouldn't be seeing him anymore. He should be on his own program or at self-management, right? Um, and it's very hard for us as clinicians once we develop a relationship, we're like, okay, we're just gonna let him go. Um, the other piece is that there's this incentive. So the incentive is since this is getting low, I can't discharge somebody, right? Or I need to you know, see so many visits a month in order to, to pay my people or, or whatever it is. And that incentive in and of itself kind of skews more towards overtreatment, right? So um, some of these programs like, you know, shared savings, moving more towards lump sum payments or other kind of value-based arrangements. I'm not a super big fan of some of those lump sum payments because they they tend to be one-sided, right? It's the insurance company and their utilization folks coming up with what the the payments and the levels and the, the strata for who gets paid, how much for what uh, care and all that kind of stuff. But there's something to be said about even if you're a smaller organization that you don't have an entire hospital system at your disposal, there's still ways to begin exploring and dipping your toes into value-based arrangements, or even if they're quasi-value-based arrangements with payers and other providers and that kind of thing. Because the reality is we are moving in that direction. And over time, you are going to see more and more 
more and more of a movement away from fee for service. We're already seeing it at some level. You know, Medicare is talking, CMS is talking about how they spent less money on ancillary services this year than they did last year, and they plan on spending less in the following year. So it's coming. <laughs> and like I shared about on a, a couple episodes ago, ago, there's a couple ways you can deal with this. You can try to increase your volume and start cranking out more people to make up for the decreasing reimbursement levels or decreasing spend overall, or we can try to innovate our way out of it. And part of the innovation might be like I said on that episode, finding alternative ways to monetize our expertise. But then the other the other avenue, and probably the more, more mainstream avenue over the next few years is gonna be finding a way to innovate within the space of virtual, or virtual, value-based arrangements with providers and insurance, um, insurance payers and, and stuff like that. So whether it is moving more towards some virtual options, you know, asynchronous telehealth is great, uh, remote patient monitoring is wonderful, all of that kind of stuff. Um, it's really where we need to be moving as an, as, a, as an industry, because if not, we're gonna work ourselves into irrelevance, right? We're just gonna be an expense that gets cut from a balance sheet rather than a, a provider of real value to all of the parties involved. So, all right, that's all I got for, for this week. Um, if you like the show, head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and a review, helps people find us. If you want to be notified whenever we release new episodes, head on over to either www.betteroutcomes.show and sign up there, or you can head on over to rehabupracticesolutions.com click on the drop down link for podcasts. I think it's under insights, insights podcast, and then sign up there. We'll send you uh, the show notes and all of that whenever we drop an episode, which is usually every other week. We are about to spin up a more patient facing um, content curation. I'm trying to figure out if it's gonna be a podcast or if it's gonna be a a video show slash podcast. We're, We're trying to figure all that out, but it'll be more patient facing, specifically in the areas of musculoskeletal health. So if you're interested in that, shoot me an email or, or head on over to rehabupracticesolutions.com and we'll we'll have information on that as it comes out. Um, my goal is for it to be something that really ancillary healthcare providers can use for patient education. So whether it be, you know, uh, mus- common musculoskeletal conditions and how we how we can address that at home versus in the clinic and when 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 to seek out this type of help versus that type of help. Um, I'm just it's an it's a project that I'm interested in in getting started up up right here at the clinic that I run at Proactive um and I'm trying to find a way to kind of merge it with what we're doing here at this show. So anyways, um until the next time folks, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.